welcome to Real Native Roots, Untold Stories, a podcast by a Native woman with deep roots. Yat a hello, this is your host, Vicki Oldman. I hope you all are having a wonderful day. It is the month of July. We're winding down, winding down the birthday month for me. <laughs> yes, it's been um, it's been like an ebb and flow of a range of emotions this month. And as I observe and listen and hear family, friends, colleagues, I have seen a lot of folks going through a lot. Um, and, you know, just a, a range of emotions and experiences. And I'll just offer, you know, through my experience at this point with, with all these emotions, is it's so important for us to pause and take a deep breath. And, you know, I learned this. It's funny because I think about culturally, traditionally, how I was raised with my parents and my nullies and my relatives, you know, they, they talk about that, but I never really understood it until now that I'm older. I'm a mother and just being around beautiful souls that have taught me different forms of medicine and breath is one that has offered me a gift in so many ways. You know, you think about the times that you have to have a hard conversation with somebody you love or even, you know, a colleague or, you know, just that hard, truthful conversation. It's scary. And I have learned before going into any form of conversation that I really need to slow down before I even speak to take a deep breath. That breath, that, you know, couple of seconds really is a gift because it allows you to come out in a different pace, in a different mindset than you would if you were just reacting. And, you know, I've had a range of emotions this month and I've, you know, seen um, folks cry uncontrollably and just like the emotions are just like on fire, right? And offer, just take a deep breath. Let's take a deep breath just to calm down, right? And it's good to experience these emotions, but it's also good to be mindful about trying to bring it into a, a rhythm that's manageable. And so I will offer to you all a gift at this time. Whatever you're doing, you may be walking, you may be driving, you may just be sitting and listening or multitasking. Whatever you're doing, I just offer that you take a deep breath with me. And when you take a deep breath, I want you to take a big belly breath. When you're inhaling, your, your belly should poke out like Winnie the Bear, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> you should poke out. Um, and you're, you'll notice your posture starts to adjust when you take a deep breath and just sort of hold for a little bit and then release through your mouth. If you do that a couple of times, you will feel immediately this calmness. Um, and you may have to do it a couple of times to really feel that. So Let's take a deep breath together, all right? Okay, here we go. And I would offer that you do it a couple more times if you need to do that. The, the breath, when we do that mindfully, 
it calms us down. The stress goes down. Our, you know, if you have high blood pressure, it lowers blood pressure. It actually even improves digestion. You know, when you really are doing this mindfully, um, it has so many benefits. So I just would encourage you to do that. Usually before I come on and introduce a guest, you know, there's something that I always want to offer, whether it's a poem from a friend or what's going on in the world. And in this case, what came to me was sharing with, well, it was my journaling. I was journaling before. And through the journaling, what came to me were the elements. And I don't know if you all noticed, but if you listen to the intro music, you will hear all four elements so as I was preparing to do this podcast journey a couple of years ago, a friend of mine, David, is a fabulous, just a gifted uh, musician. I told him, I want the four elements in there. How do we do that? And so you will hear, you'll hear fire, you'll hear the water, you'll hear my deep breath, and you'll hear chimes. It sort of represents the earth element. And I have been using these elements a lot lately in workspaces and healing circles and working with women leaders. And then I was writing and I thought of my guest today and I was like, oh, it's so interesting. Because um, the breath, I feel like when you pause and you practice it, you have a choice at that moment to decide how you're going to say it, what you're going to say, how are you going to move and show up. And so he, you know, I thought about him. I'm like, hmm, you know, uh, he, he had shared with me many pivotal moments in his journey of choices, right? Choices that he had made and that led him to this place. And so my guest, who I'm bringing on today, yeah, just a very humble man, very charismatic, um, but also there's this deep, deep heart of him. Talk about deep roots. I think he has deep roots. <laughs> And I actually met him through um, his wife. I adore his wife. I've known his wife for a long, long time. And uh, getting to know him, I, you know, have learned uh, his, his gift to this world. And that is, I, I believe he's a really good listener. He's really deep and he's an artist and he does tattooing. And, and I know in our, in, at least for the Diné culture, Navajo, that is taboo. And I know in other other indigenous um, groups in people, uh, tattooing is a part of, you know, um, a rite of passage or they offer something. So he is in this space of um, that art form. And I thought his story was really inspirational about how he got there and, you know, part of this podcasting is about sharing stories, being witness, and lifting lifting him, but also an opportunity to lift others who have gotten us to this point in our journey. So I wanted him to come on, share his story, so you all learn a little bit about this. And also, um, you know, he's very, like I said, char charismatic. You can connect with him. You want to learn more about what he does. Um, visit him and, you know, he can tell, tell us a little bit more about that. But anyway, without further ado, I would love for you all to meet uh, my guest. So Shay, thank you so much for coming on and I'd uh, love for you to say hello, introduce yourself, welcome yourself to our guests who are listening. 
Hi, everybody. I'm my name is Shay Milford. Uh, first, I'm going to introduce myself in uh, my language, my Diné language. Shay Milford in Shay Tapanishlan Ashinhi Bashishin Bilagana Dashche Tachitni Dashinale. And uh, in my language, that's saying hello, and I'm introducing myself. I'm telling you my name. In the in in my culture, we we base our our culture off clans, and and if you're a Dene a Dene peoples, then you know you're you you should know your clans, and that was always something that was instilled in me as a kid, even through the way I grew up. I'm so glad that you introduced yourself in Navajo. Thank you. <laughs> so, Shay, um, tell us a little bit about your upbringing and, you know, maybe you want to share a little bit about your grandparents, your mom, just a little bit about your younger years. Oh, man, my my younger years, I... I grew up in this very small town called Fort Defiance. A lot of people have heard of Windrock, Arizona. Um, everybody knows where that one is, and it's only five miles away to Fort Defiance. But I—that's—that's that's where I was born and raised. That's Rio Perco Acres neighborhood, uh, nineteen seventy-seven. That's. That's when I came into this world. Um, my, as far as culture, I didn't, I didn't really, I wasn't really raised traditionally in the Navajo way. I grew up more. I used to, I, I used, to, I used to jokingly always say, you know, urban. I used, to, I grew up urban native. So, on my dad's side, there was. Um, like a lot of my uncles, they're council delegates of the reservation, you know, they're very higher ups. But as far as my side of the family, it was always the black sheep, I guess. I grew up in a time when, you know, when we were, when, when the reservation was already instilled in us, when, when the, I guess you could say the impoverished ways were already part of the way we grew up. Um, and because alcoholism and, you know, domestic violence and, um, um, you know, all of, the, all of these stigmas, that was, that was a part of my life. It wasn't very cultural, but the culture was there. It was, you know, but it was, a, it was trying to find which way to go, but not knowing which path to take because just like I was you know a lot of me and my friends the father figures that we had they weren't very I guess role model-ish they weren't teaching us ways that that I guess that we should have been taught ways that that would make us better peoples that would make us stronger peoples 
to where, but we had to find that path on our own through ourselves. And when you have, you know, a bunch of young, a bunch of young boys that all grew up in the same kind of environment and the same kind of toxicities, you know, it, you connect with that, with those kind of people, with, with those, with your friends. Those were, those were my friend. That was my upbringing. I grew up gang lifestyle and, and it, <clears throat> you know, so. I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing. Growing up on the res is, can be tough. It is tough, right? Um, you have to have a thick skin <laughs> to, be, to be out there. Um, and just also sharing a little vulnerability about you sharing that window where like we get to peek into that little window that, you know, it was hard that you grew up that way and hung out with the, with the gang, um, at, at a young age. Um, I, I also though, I, I remember when we were talking before you, you had met, well, why I'm asking this question is because you had mentioned like role models and you also had mentioned about your father and that like art, that's sort of like how you learned about artistry, that artistry is like in your family. So there's some role modeling there in terms of that gift. Do you, do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, you know, not, not every, I don't want to make it sound like everything was bad. Um, but yeah, my, my dad was an artist. The artistry has always been there. I feel like, uh, just like I said, my dad's an artist. He actually, he actually went to the Chicago Art Institute, um, I think from 65 to 67. I, I definitely have to ask him to refresh, refresh the memory, but but he picked it up. He he picked up art, and and when I was growing up, he would always his his was always watercolor. He used to paint a lot of yebaches, and and he even got to the point where he entered um, a couple of his paintings into the Navajo Nation Fair. As a child, I know that's what you know some things I remember, but. The artistry, it was it was never formally taught to me. It was it was more me emulating my dad and you know being being at that young of an age and me not knowing that I'm in a toxic environment, but to me at that time was normal. So, you know, seeing my dad drawing and and painting. You know, I, I picked it up. I picked it up and and that has always been that has always been my solace. That has always been my my escape, I guess you could say, because I I was always told I look like I get into this zone when I start painting or when I start drawing or even when I start when I'm tattooing. Um but yeah, as far as but but he's he he was definitely influenced. He definitely had that that art that got passed down to me. So yeah, I appreciate you sharing a little bit about your dad and and how um, you observed and and also just sort of learned from him as well. 
I wanted to actually go back. I know I, I sometimes when folks are talking, I, I, I get curious about things that you say before, and then I kind of zoom <laughs> forward. No, but I'm going to zoom forward a little bit because you were talking uh, about your um, your experience, you know, on the res, and then you joined a game. And so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about like, uh, you know, what happened after that. I know you were in a gang and what happened from that point to where you're at now in the sense of like how tattooing um, came to you. I feel like the gang, the gang life, that was, that was a very, that was a hard path. That was, I mean, the way I see it now. Um, but it, it, it helped molded me. It put me on. I, I totally believe that it put me on the path that I am now that I'm on now because throughout, cause it was a lot of, um, incarceration. Um, let's see. I was, I was very young. I was like 14 years old when I, when I first joined a gang and, and it's crazy because I look at. I, I look at the age of my daughters now and I just think of, you know, how wild I was at that time. But it was more being at a young age and from 14 to 18 years old, I was pretty much in and out of uh, juvenile detention centers and group homes. And um, uh there's a place that the, this it was called Arizona Boys Ranch, um, all the way up until I was 18 years old, and then, you know, I I went back to the res and uh, I ended up um, trying to stay clean and trying to stay trying to be good, but that didn't last very long. And um, 21 years old, I I went to prison and. 21 from when I was in prison for eight years. But as far as uh, tattooing, that's that's where I actually started tattooing when I was in prison. But yeah. Yeah. I feel like I need to take a deep breath there. <laughs> uh, so thank you for that. Yeah, I know that. Again, I just want to thank you for sharing because I know that's that's hard to to um, to talk about. Maybe maybe not so much for you, but uh, you know, just listening and such a young age, as you said, you know, your daughters are young, and you're like, wow, I was doing this when I was their age, and being in in a place um, for eight years, I know that you've uh, learned uh, things in that space, and so in when, while you were there, what what did you learn about yourself, and who did you meet that? help you to survive and to just like have hope and, you know, and, and then, you know, how, how did, you know, who introduced you, introduced you to like tattooing, I guess. Tattooing. Well, going back a little bit, I feel like, I feel like the path that I was on and the choices that I made and the places that I had to go, that was all, we're here for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And I totally believe that. And a lot of people were put in my path as I, as I was going through my, my teenage life. But 
as far as tattooing wise, what got me into tattooing was, and I always attribute this to the universe. And that's why I say everything happens for a reason. Every, every person that was put in my path, um, at that moment was put there, was sent there for a reason. That was, that was the universe saying, okay, this is, this is where you're supposed to go. And this is who's going to be the one to help get you there. Um, but I have I have a couple of mentors, but as when it comes to tattooing, there was actually uh, a Lakota brother, and he was from Nevada, and he uh, he actually well before I started tattooing, I actually used to be the wine man. So I used to make prison hooch. I used to make prison wine. That was that was my hustle. That so if you wanted to get drunk and you wanted alcohol, and I was the man to I was the man to come to. <laughs> but when it comes to when you're making alcohol, it it takes a lot of babysitting. It takes a lot of watching. You have to constantly keep an eye on it. So when I used to uh when i used to be sitting in my cell um watching my wine uh i used to sit there and draw and i used to sit there and draw all the time and um and this lakota brother used to always come in and he used to always um and we used to sit there and just conversate and then one day he asked uh if i ever if i ever thought about tattooing and um, I had tried it when I was on the street, but if you can imagine a bunch of 14, 15, 16-year-old kids get a hold of a tattoo machine, and I just happen to be the best artist amongst a bunch of young boys. So, <laughs> so you can imagine how that kind of went. And that was that was the only time I had tried it, and then... Mm. But when he had asked me, um, uh, right away, my answer was no. And um, But when I tell people, actually, when I tell people when it comes to this career, as far as tattooing, um, I always tell my clients, I didn't choose tattooing. Tattooing chose me. And that goes into the part of saying about the universe and how how uh, how this this Lakota brother came to me, and because from that point on, when he asked me you know, if I ever thought about tattooing, and right away I said no. I said I I ain't trying to mess up nobody's skin, um, and uh, but from that point on, he just wouldn't let it go. He just kept asking. Um, um, you know, hey, hey, brother, when are you gonna tattoo me? When are you gonna tattoo me? Mm-hmm. And and then uh, and then one day, um, I'm sitting in my cell and I got a batch of wine in my locker and I'm sitting there drawing and he comes in and um, and this was actually in 2004. He comes to my cell and he um, and if the if the listeners can imagine. He has a pair of socks rolled up and he throws it on my bed and, 
And he says, there you go, brother. He says, everything you need to tattoo. And in there, everything is made homemade. Everything is made with the tools that we have. But Mm -hmm. with the tools that we have in there, we can make a tattoo machine run just like it was running like a, like a, like a tattoo machine out here on, uh, out here, but it was everything you needed to tattoo. It was, it was a roll of guitar string. It was, uh, it was a motor from a CD player, a battery pack and a small bottle of ink. And, and I, from there I said, all right, I said, I said, I'll tattoo you. I said, but I'm telling you now, you can't get mad if I mess you up. You can't get mad if 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 this thing goes wrong. And but you know, at the time, he had at that moment, he had more faith in me than I did myself, because because mm. he just totally blew it off. Like ah, nah, bro, I don't think you're gonna, I don't think you're gonna fuck me up. <laughs> Excuse my language, um, but he. Uh, so I I pretty much. I went to one of the other tattoo artists in there and he gave me this little crash course in <laughs> in uh in how to tattoo and and from that point on my my winemaking day oh but we ended up we we ended up tattooing him he picked a, he picked a design out of my sketchbook mm-hmm. and and he left my cell and he actually lived in a different unit so he had to sneak into my unit but I remember when he left and I'm in my cell by myself and and I remember telling myself if this tattoo messes up if this tattoo gets infected I ain't never doing this again (laughs) and uh and then a few days later like a couple days later he he comes back and and he's 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 happier than uh, like like he was getting out and and he pulled up his sleeve and showed me his arm and it was healing good it was healing good there was nothing wrong with it and i was you know he was super happy and i got super happy and from that point on my wine making days ended and my tattooing career started were people lining up <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah. Really? After okay. yeah, after they after they seen what I could do, I started gaining more clientele as far as far as inside prison. But is that when but, your wine days uh, were were closed? Closed shop then? <laughs> yeah, they. I stopped making. I I never made wine after that. That's what's funny. Even I was even asked to try it out here, but I never really, I never really did it. But that was that was the end of that was the end of those days. Yeah. Well, and I know that when we were talking before you told me, you know, that you then were transferred to another place and um and you were you were still doing this sort of work and then you were having a dialogue with someone um about like what's next. Can you share a little bit about that? Because I feel like that was like as I was listening to you, it sounded like an epiphany, like, oh, huh. <laughs> no, this was actually this was actually all in the same prison. Oh, was it? Okay. So this this was in two thousand four. Because remember when remember I was telling you I was a store man. So I always I always had a hustle. I always had some kind of hustle when I was in prison. I 
I, I try not to ask family for, for money or anything like that. I always try to support myself. And, and so, um, I was actually, I was actually in a prison out here called FCI Phoenix. And I was there for three and a half years. And, um, and at that prison, that's where I was a store man. That's where I learned how to make wine. That's, that's, that was a, yep, that was definitely a lesson. And then they opened up a new prison in California called USP Atwater. And it was a higher security prison. Um, but I guess they needed bodies to fill that prison. And I ended up getting transferred out there. It's, it's one of those situations where it's not like you really have a say in, in things like that. If they tell you you're getting transferred, you're getting transferred. But anyway, I ended up, so I ended up in California and that, and that's where my tattooing career started in 2004. But in 2005, I, I was tattoo. I was, I was tattooing in there already for about a good year. Um, I was, you know, I was the tattoo artist to come to, but, uh, I, I hadn't really looked at it as a career path. I was just looking at it as a hustle to take care of me while I was in there. Um, but again, here comes the universe saying, okay, this is, this is another person that's going to be put in front. And believe me, I didn't know this at the time. This is, this is, this is wisdom that I'm learning now that I'm looking back on my past that the universe is saying, okay, this was the person that this is the person that's gonna, gonna tell you you're on the right path. But, um, I was tattooing this Mexican guy and he's, uh, he was from Southern California and we were, uh, tattooing his back. And, and it was, and, and we had already tattooed him like a few times. We were tattooing his whole back. So this wasn't his first session. So he kind of knew like my, the gist of my story when I was going to be getting out. And, but this one day, this particular day, um, we're sitting there just like a regular tattoo session. Um, he actually lived in my unit. So all he had to do was just come walk to my cell. But, uh, he, um, he, he looks over his shoulder and, and, and he says, and, and, and I'm, and this is word for word. He says, uh, he says, what are you going to do when you get out youngster? And, and keep in mind, this, this guy is, this guy was an older, this guy was an older guy, very humble. He was like probably in his forties. And at that time I was, um, like 20, about 27 and, but he looks, he, he looks over his shoulder and he says, when you're going to get, he says, what you going to do when you get out youngster? And, and I said, I don't know. I'll probably go out and look for a job and start trying to make a living for myself. And, and still word for word, he says, you got a job. Mm. He says, why don't you do this when you get out? And I said, I don't know. I never really thought about it. And, and again, word for word, he says, well, you better fucking start thinking about it. He says, because I don't, I don't want to see you come back. 
basis. You you have a good you have a good you have a good career right here. He says I he says I want to see you out there, and you know I want to see you in tattoo magazines and traveling the world and and this and that. So at that time, that's when he he that's when it was kind of the seed was planted in my head and. At that, from that point on, I stopped looking at it as a hustle, and I started uh, looking at it as a career path. And I started saving money because I wasn't saving money at that time, and that's when I started saving money. Mm. <sighs> I love how you refer to you know universe a couple of times about how we end up in places that we're at and you know, because they're all lessons in some cases and also the wisdom drops that we get through our life. You know, we don't realize it until later on because I remember you saying it and I fell in love with how you had said it. Forgive me for not articulating it well, but you had said something like, ah, you know, I wasn't spiritually mature yet. Like, you know, I, I was still like figuring it out. And, and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That just sat with me a lot when we when we last talked. I was like, oh, I love that, the whole spiritual maturity. And there are people who are older than me who I look up to and I just, you know, and and when when I I don't say it the way you did, but I'm gonna I'm gonna use that going forward. Yeah. Uh, they tell me we're still learning. Like even as elders, we're still learning. Yeah. And so Wow. And I and that's and and I totally believe that. I totally mm-hmm. that's why I say about the universe and and the path that I was that I was meant to take and the people that were put in my path. Um because it was also in prison where uh where you know there was there was one other person that that I consider my my mentor, my 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 teacher, my my father figure, but he wasn't but a year older than me, you know. And um, but the way I carry myself now, I have a very a very deep spiritual soul, and and not a lot of people have that to where to where they can see signs of, of things that are around where, you know, just a regular person that doesn't have that would just see, okay, a good example, let's say a butterfly, you know, some a person would just see a butterfly fly by, but me, I, I take that as a different significance. So my my spiritual maturity is very <laughs> is has very has grown a lot over the years yeah well thank the the universe for those three individuals that you met in prison that gave you what you needed you know some the groundness right the 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 last gentleman you were talking about how he um pushed you and challenged you and then the other person who said you do have a career and then the Lakota brother who, who wouldn't give up, <laughs> like you're going to yeah. tattoo me. Yeah. So they all offered something to you at the time. So when you left, you know, when you finally got out and you came out and did you like, I, you got enough money saved. All right, I'm ready to go. And you, 
started tattooing. What was that transition like? How, you know, how did you get to this place? Because I would love for people to hear about where you're at now. Why would I? Okay, so so in 2005, when I started looking at it as a career path and I started saving money, I got out of prison in 2006. So I was in prison from 1998 to 2006. And after I got out of prison, I never went back. That that chapter of my life closed and, and it never reopened. So from 2005 to 2006, I ended up saving about $3,000. And, and that's not bad for, you know, for prison, you know. And it was a good thing, too, because cause the federal government pretty much gave me $50 after eight years of prison and said, here, here's $50, go make a living. And, and I always jokingly say that. But with that money, after I got out of prison in 2006, I ended up in, I had to go to halfway house. Um, but being in a halfway house, uh, I ended up getting a job. Uh, just regular nine to five. I had to jump through hoops for a couple of months, but after after a couple of months, I, I earned enough privileges to where I was able to go out and look for my own apartment. So with the money that I had saved from from prison, that actually went to the security deposit and the first month's rent on my first apartment. Um and the down payment on my first car and maybe about 200 maybe about 250 to 500 in that range plus plus uh what my wife helped me get was all professional tattoo equipment and and my mom was actually the first one to let me tattoo her out here with a professional machine mm-hmm so I had never used it before. I the last time I had touched the machine, I was still in prison, and and uh, so my mom was actually the first candidate, and she still won't let me fix the tattoos <laughs> <laughs> to this day. To her, it's very it's more sentimental, and because mm. um, uh, she was also the first one to let me do a color tattoo on her as well. And so obviously in prison, we didn't have colors. So I had never dabbled in color tattoos or color ink before. So she was actually my first client uh, as well on that. And even on that tattoo, she still won't let me fix it (laughs) compared to what I can do now. (laughs) But uh, I didn't, I didn't actually start working in a tattoo shop right away. Um, my probation off, I, I, I had probation when I got out of prison. So, um, my probation officer wouldn't actually let me, uh, work in a tattoo shop just because of all the, I guess the stigmas that it had, that it was, uh, like bikers and that it had to do with, you know, just a negative environment. So, so for a few years, um, I was I was working just regular construction. Construction was always my was always my go to, but through construction, that's where I started picking because I was tattooing out of my apartment. 
I, I didn't go through a formal apprenticeship. My apprenticeship came when I was learning in prison. That's where, you know, I, that's where I was, I was tattooing a lot of my coworkers and a lot of friends and, and cousins. And in 2009, actually, I got laid off from my job. I was, I was working as an apprentice electrician and the job market wasn't, even construction wasn't doing very good. And the project that we were on, we ended up finishing. I got laid off. I couldn't find work. I was putting in applications. And, and finally, I, I, had, I sat down with, with my wifey and I told her, I said, I think I'm done with the nine to five. I, I think I, I want to uh, I want to start pursuing this tattoo career. And, and I actually did. I actually sat down with my probation officer as well. And I told her, you know, I've, I've been jumping through all these hoops for you. I've, I've never, you know, I've always, I've always done everything you've asked me. And I said, I, I can't find a job. And, you know, I want to, I think I want to start looking into a tattoo shop. I said, I'm almost done with my probation. I said, and, and she gave me, she said, okay. She said, go ahead. And from that point on, I, I took what little portfolio I had. And I actually went to like 20 shops here in the Valley trying to get into a tattoo shop. And, and the one thing that was keeping me out was I didn't have shop experience. And I didn't know this at that time. I, I thought it was just, you know, if you're a good tattoo artist, they'll let you in. But you know, my, I didn't have the shop experience. Um, but I ended up coming across this tattoo shop in, in Mesa and this guy had been in prison before. So obviously, you know, that, that kind of helped the situation because that, that's why he gave me a chance. He was like, you know, I was in prison too. So, you know, let's see what you got. And, and one of my childhood friends actually was my first client as well. Um, and he was my, he was my, uh, how would you say, like, I had to do a trial tattoo in order to show that I could tattoo. So he was my first client. From then on, I, I got into a shop and, and I've been doing it ever since. So regardless of the you know, in the transition out and to this place and you had to follow certain requirements to, you know, fulfill your probation and you still did the practice. And I think that's important to note because anything that we do, right, anything that we do, um, the work that we do, whatever medicine we offer to the world, it takes practice. It takes commitment. It takes persistence. And, you know, now you have a tattoo shop right? And you want to tell, I mean, tell people where you're at now, like what, what, what you're doing um, and where you're hoping to go with where you're at now. Yeah. I, I, uh, so once, so that's, that's where this vision eventually came to. Um, I mean, it, it had always been there from the time I got out of prison that, that became my, I, I planted that seed in my head and and it had it had it had always been there. Last year, 
the motivation behind what propelled this was I lost my younger brother. And he was he was also one of my first clients. He was also, you know, a very big supporter of my career and and he used to always um and I and I used to always jokingly say, you know, he, he'd always come out here just to get tattooed, not even to see, not even to see me, because he would just come in, get tattooed, and sometimes just jump right back on the plane and head back. And, <laughs> but you know, that was my brother, and um, so that's what propelled this. I I had I had a an epiphany, a moment of clarity where. I was literally standing in front of the mirror, like, what are you waiting for? Asking myself, what are you waiting for? What's everybody's been asking, when are you going to open up your own tattoo shop? And especially my youngest daughter, and she's only 11, but she, she was always one that was always bugging. And when are you going to open your tattoo shop, daddy? And so that, so a year ago, pretty much, I, I was standing in front of the mirror, I, I said, you know, once you start on this journey, don't you stop. You know, don't don't let anything stand in your way until you accomplish this. And and I did. I jumped. I jumped and and I just I believe I believe and now the way like I say that spiritual maturity, I understand now that the universe has put me on this path, has gotten me to where I am today. So now, you know, I, I put I put my trust into the universe to do because I know how to see these signs. I know that because through this whole situation from the time I I started this journey all the way up until now, there were always signs that my brother was there. And, and I, and it's, it's going to be, it, it take too long to try to explain the whole situation, but, but there were always those signs that, that I was on that right path, that I was doing the right thing. And, and it came to life. And that's, what's crazy, you know, with, with all odds against me, with, with being an ex gang member, with being an ex convict, being, uh, you know, an alcoholic and, you know, having all of these stigmas against me that stacked against me, but still accomplishing that goal. And, and, and I did it and we did it, you know, cause my, my wifey was right by my side. I, I joke with her all the time that, that she's, that she's, she's been with me since before my tattooing career started. She was she was always that support system even before we started dating, and but we did it. And I opened up my own tattoo. We opened up our own tattoo studio. I own Transcend Art Collective in Chandler, Arizona. It's indigenous owned and operated, um, and and this dream came to life, and and at that time. My my only goal at that moment was to open up my own tattoo shop. But when I when I proved to myself that I could do it, that it could be done, 
my aspirations just got even bigger because now, now I want to open up another tattoo shop in the West Valley. And this is, this is my, it took me 10 years to get to where I am today from the time, from the time I got it, I started professionally pretty much. It took me about 10 years. So I'm thinking of another five to 10 year plan. And my, my plan is to open up another tattoo shop in the West Valley. And so I'd have two here in Phoenix, one in the East Valley and one in the West Valley. And if both, if both engines take off and they both start running smoothly, then I want to open up a tattoo shop in San Diego. And if that, if that goes good and, and, and all three engines start running smoothly and, and it goes to where I, my vision is my ultimate goal is to open up a tattoo shop in Hawaii. And, and the reason San Diego is because San Diego has a lot of significance for myself and me and my wife and my family. And, um, that's where we actually got married and, and, and I just fell in love with Hawaii. Um, but my vision is also to hire, uh, is to have a full native team, a full indigenous team. And that's, that's where I want to go. Congratulations, Shay. I'm so proud of you and your wife and, you know, making that dream come true. And I also appreciate how you, I just listened to language a lot and you, you know, lifted her as well, like our shop, our vision, our goals. And so, um, and also the, the vision of, you know, having a full team that are all Native, right, Indigenous people doing this work. And I am just in awe about the vision. You know, it's, I think vision is so important. I think it's important for folks to, you know, spend time to create big, like your vision is a big, hairy, audacious vision. It's big. And that's how visions are supposed to be. They're supposed yeah. to almost freak you out. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're doing it. And I am just so proud of you. And I'm just like lifting you and, you know, hearing your story growing up on the res, living in a, in a space where, um, you know, you, you experience all the things that you can think of um, and, you know, being um, a part of the chapter of your life where it was hard and, but you've also got some medicine there from different people and experiences and you managed to overcome that. And here you are a business person, you know, having a business in Chandler and living your dream and, you know, I just think it's just amazing. It's inspiring. It inspires me to continue to, you know, have my vision about where I want to go as well. And so as we're wrapping up, I, I would love for you to just offer some wisdom dropping to our listeners where, you know, where, as we, as you tell your story to me again and share with our listeners, um, what's, what's bubbling up and what do you want to offer to them um, there's, there's just, there's just so much, it's just, it's just crazy how much little time we have and, and, and what I would want to share, but the best lesson that I could really think of is never give up, never give up on, 
on your dreams, never give up on yourself. And and there's a couple of questions that I had seen. Um, I'm not really sure how much time we have, but you had asked what was what was your hardest lesson? What words do you live by? And um, my wife, he asked me that. She's all, what was your hardest lesson? And you know what I said? I said, life. Mm. Life is your hardest lesson. Life, life is gonna, life is gonna knock you down. Mm-hmm. If if you think if you think of life, think of it as a boxing match, and life is the referee. Or no, life, and everyday situations is the referee, and life is your opponent. You're either gonna get knocked down. You're either gonna get knocked out. You're either or or you're gonna keep getting up. And that's that's the thing is is because I grew up like I said I grew up hard. I didn't grow up an easy life. And and the places that I've been, the places that the people that were put in front of me, a lot of fighting that I had to do. You know, it was it it. It was hard. It was, you know, it, it'll break you. It'll bring you to your knees. But, you know, if, if your heart is beating and your heart is strong and, and your mind is strong, then then you can overcome whatever it is. You can, whatever your dreams are, you can accomplish it. And I'm living proof of that, you know, that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter who stands in your way if if you if you can if you can see your vision and you can taste it and you can and you can feel it in your soul and and this is who you want to be then then nothing will stand in your way and all the right people will be put in your path but it's up to you as as a person to 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 recognize that because I, I think I've, I've mentioned before too when we had talked um, that when when my clients are sitting in my chair, that's when I can tell my whole story. That's and it depends on how inquisitive my client is because I don't and and I think I had mentioned before as well that that I don't I don't I'm not. I'm not scared to tell my story. My 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 life is an open book. And I tell my clients this all the time. If my if my story can help change one person's life for the better, then I know I did something. I love it all. Thank you so much. Um yeah, I I was just so in sync with you. You're like, you know life will, you know, it can knock you down. It can knock you out. (laughs) I was like, yes, yes, and yes. And what do we have, you know, it's up to us what we do, right? It's a choice. We either stay down or we get back up. And um, I appreciate you sharing your story as an open book. You actually might see my book out there one day. <laughs> yes, that was going to actually just say that. To your, uh, so listeners, he, you know, one of his other vision is he, he wants to write his story in a book. So I'm really encouraging that he does that. Yeah, that's he, that's mainly a lot of, for, that's mainly for my clients as well. Mm. They, every time, every time I tell my story, 
they always it's always at the end they're always like oh my gosh you should write a book and your your story is so inspiring and, and it's so yeah yes maybe one day <laughs> well i would say take out the maybe just say one day <laughs> <laughs> there you go. one day one day yes yes so because it actually because <laughs> it actually it actually goes back to what you were saying earlier about breathing mm. and there's there's a there's a there's a life lesson that i live by that everything is broken down into twos if you can if you can break life if you can break down life into two simple things, then life will be a lot easier. And it goes to taking that breath. Once you take that breath, you have two decisions. You can either, there's yes and no, there's up and down, there's right and wrong, there, you know, there's happy or sad, there's you know, we all have that one particular choice. It's just us as human beings that make it so much more complex than it really has to be. And, and okay, it's like, okay, like a good example there. And I tell my wife this all the time. There's, there is no, there is no Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. There's just day and night. <laughs> there's, there's, the billionaire and the bum all they they share the same 24 hours day and night it's up to us which one we want to be you know it's a choice we could either be this person or that person we can either be this way or that way you know so on and so forth so more words to live by mm, i love that and it's in, it seems simple and I think what you, what I took away also just listening is like, it's us and our, our brain, our mind that makes it complicated, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so lately I've been saying, I, don't, I try not to say, oh, I have good news or I have bad news. I just say, I have news, yeah, you know, news. I just have news. <laughs> oh, Shay, I could, I could continue talking to you and, um, I know, but I, right? I will definitely be seeing so folks. <laughs> I don't know some of some some of the listeners who who probably follow me on social media, on uh, particularly Facebook in this sense. Um, I'm going to be, um, you know, working this year. I'm 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 doing a whole sort of not so so much a bucket list, but some things that I've been really wanting to take care of and do. And you know, tat, having a tattoo is one of them. I've always wanted a tattoo. So next year. Um, by July, I'm definitely going to have one. I don't know what it is, but it will be. Um, of course, uh, my parents are not in favor, <laughs> but it's something I always want to do. So that's definitely going to happen. So Shay will be the first to touch um, my skin down the on the, on the top too. I'm like, ah. but it's going to happen, and I'm looking forward to you and doing that um, art form on my skin. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, like I like I said, if if the the, the right tattoo is meant for you, it'll come to you. If, yes, if you, if you believe, if you believe, just like I believe in in the universe, then you know, like you, because like you were saying, you want something to represent your two sons, and and eventually that vision will come to you. Mm. Just just keep envisioning it. <laughs> yep, I will. 
So folks, thank you so much for joining. Shay, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And I hope uh, those of you that do listen, you know, that you share this podcast to someone who, who needs that lifting to know that, you know, Shay, Shay's living proof against all odds. You know, he, he did it and he has a shop in Chandler. If you are curious about his, um, why don't you shout out your Instagram handle and, and maybe, um, again, the name of your tattoo shop. So folks are curious, they can, they can find you. Most definitely. I, my shop is in uh, Chandler. It's called Transcend Art Collective. Uh, the address is 950 East Pecos Road. If you just if you just type in Google search, it'll come right up. Type in Transcend Art Collective. Uh, you can follow me at Shaybone Tattoos. Uh, you can find me on Facebook um, uh, just under Shay Milford. Uh, yeah. So if all the, the listeners out there, you know, if you ever come to the Valley or if you live in the Valley, you know, you know, come, come support small business, come support indigenous owned and operated businesses. You know, this, this is, this is what we, this is what we strive for. This is what, you know, we should give thanks for, not just, not just for, you know, give thanks for the things that we are given. So, and, and, you know, if, like you said, you know, if, if my story is inspiring and you want to hear more, you know, there's, there's plenty of more details that I definitely shared with you as, as well, Vicky, that had you laughing. So but <laughs> I did. obviously we didn't, we didn't have enough time for that. So. Well, we may have to bring you back again, you know, next year, yeah, we'll yeah, see we where you're at. That. Yeah, we definitely we could, do we that. Could actually, we could actually run your podcast while you're getting tattooed. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm sure that the, the, our listeners would be like, "Yeah, I'm like I don't know about that," but <laughs> that's funny. All right, I'll definitely put um, in in the description uh, your your uh, Instagram handle and then the name of your tattoo. So, thanks again, Shay. I appreciate your time and your willingness to just allow us to go on a journey with you. Thank you so much. Have a blessed day. Thank you, listeners. Um, Be well, and don't forget, take deep breaths. And I challenge you all to continue to do that more before you go into any space that you're showing up in. All right, be well, be safe, be healthy. 